that work? Got it. All right. So uh, some of you have been here a little while. Some of you not. Raise your hand if you started coming to the awakening within the last three years. Okay, see, there's a lot of you guys. All right, and some of y'all are like, yeah, I'm just here the first time this morning, so um, that's exciting too. So we, Travis and I, part of our victory is is um, that we went through some prayer ministry before we got married, praise Jesus. Um, we would have really, one of us probably wouldn't be here. I always say one of us would be in jail. I don't know which one would have won. Um, <laughs> So I don't know who would have taken who out, but it would have been rough. I'm just saying, because um, the laws of God are real. They're just like, if I get on top of this building and I jump off and say, I'm going to fly, I believe I'm going to fly. I say I'm going to fly, but what's actually going to happen when I jump down? What's going to happen? I'm going to fall down or up because of what? Everybody here believes in the law of gravity because we've experienced it, right? So the laws of God are the same way, and we experience them all the time. We just don't know them. We say them, but we don't look at them like laws. So early on in the awakening, we did a lot of equipping. That's really what, tra- what we feel called to. When we moved here from Fort Worth to start this church, we feel called to equip a community to release heaven on earth. We've done a lot of ministering over the last three years, but it hasn't been quite as much equipping. And so we've equipped in a few areas, and those will continue on. But for the next few months, we are going to talk about the keys to abundant life. So it is true that the enemy hates you, and he came to steal, kill, and destroy you. But Jesus came to give you life, and life abundantly. Oh, my goodness. I have so many things to do up here. It's just, thank you, honey. Um, so this is who we are. This is what this community is. It's a little different, maybe. But then, um, like, like some bodies are just different. We're all different. We're like ears and eyes and noses and toes and fingers and lungs and hearts and legs and all kinds of stuff, and we need us all. But we really feel called to equipping. Why do we feel called to equipping? It's because, okay, so we're going to do this from February to April. It's going to be a lot of equipping, just a heads up. Well, number one, we've got to face our giants. They're there. And if we don't face them, then we won't overcome. So the, Travis said this the other Sunday. He said, you can't overcome what you don't confront. And that's a Chris Valentin quote. How many of y'all follow Chris Valentin on Instagram? I won't say how many of y'all don't anymore. He's like posting quotes five or six times a day. They're really great, but this one hasn't made it up there. I was trying to find it. Anyway, I was searching through his Instagram. He's not posted this quote. So in a long time, at least, I didn't go back far enough. You can't overcome what you don't confront. So we're going to do that. We've got to be ready for the harvest. How many of you know that the harvest isn't going to be pretty? It tells us in the word. Thank you. I'm glad you know. We have one person in here that knows that it's not going to be pretty, but that's okay. The rest of us will find out soon enough. The harvest is going to be full of people who are lost. So why would a lost person act like they have morals and values? They wouldn't. They don't know Jesus. So lost people are, people who know Jesus are a hot mess. Wait till you get around some lost folks, you know, that don't have Jesus. It is messy. So real quick, when I first moved here, really first moved here, a couple of people, who asked us to go there? I can't even remember. Toddy and somebody else asked us to go to Cornerstone with them. So we're, okay, we'll go to Cornerstone. So I had a baby, a little bitty baby, maybe she was like a month old. Um, She's in white today, six. I know that happens so quickly. And so I I was holding Zuri in the back, and I was back there because I had met a few people here in town, and they really were passionate about Holy Spirit. And I was back there in all my pride 
saying, you know, if these young people want to really encounter God, they are going to have to get dirty. I was being really sassy in my head. And so, because I was on the back row, I don't know if y'all go to Cornerstone, ever been to Cornerstone, but they pick up, they have breakfast for the homeless in the morning, or they used to when they were right over here on, in Athens. And so, all those people went to church. So, I was on the back row with all the homeless people. And just looking at them like they were so sick. The, the people here when we first moved here were just really had seen miracles and signs and wonders and they just were ready to get people healed and pray for the sick and it was just lots of passion. And so I just had all this, you know, they're going to have to get dirty. Well, I saw this girl and she had purplish pink hair and the Lord said, I wanted to talk to her this morning. And I said, well, you have fun. And so um, she, she was dressed, but she didn't have on a whole lot of clothes. And you could tell she found the loosest things she could find in her closet, and she came to church. And so he said it again, and I said, I told you you could, were welcome to talk to her. This is not my church. I can't give a prophetic word not at my church. That's rude. Breaks the rules. I'm a rule follower. You know that. You made me. So we're having this conversation. And so then I said kind of jokingly to the Lord, well, you, I would just have to run over her or something. Or if she ran over me, that's what I said. If she ran over me, I would say it. And so he gave me the, a word for it too. And I really was like, I'm not given that word. It's, it's like not godly. So I have to go get Lydia out of childcare. So I leave church a little bit early and I'm walking along and Josiah's with me. So, so, you know, I'm holding Zuri. Josiah's here. We're walking along and Josiah stops to pick something up abruptly. So I stop and the woman just runs over me. No kidding. I can't make this stuff up. And I turn around and lo and behold, it's the woman with purple hair. So I said, Oh, Jesus, you just did this. So I looked at her and I said, hey, I don't go to church here. So this, you know, I don't. She said, neither do I. And I said, okay, well, I just want you to know this isn't a reflection. What I'm about to say isn't a reflection of this church. And you can just ask God about it and, you know, whatever. I said, he just, um, he just um, wants you to remember something really great about your childhood and that he wants to talk to you about that. And I said, okay. Okay. And that's it. She said, girl, I, nothing good happened to me when I was a kid. And I said, oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> I knew I wasn't supposed to do this. And so then she went, oh, but Halloween, I love, girl, I loved Halloween. Great, great. It went from bad to worse. Halloween. Okay, just ask God about that. And, you know, I hope you have a great day. Goodbye. She said, can I have your phone number? And I heard myself. They're going to have to get dirty if they want to see great things happen with God. And he said, are you ready to get dirty? <laughs> I guess. So she opened her Precious Moments Bible. This woman was like 30 years old, maybe 25. I don't know. And I wrote my phone number in the front of her Precious Moments Bible because, of course, she had a pen. So I went through the day. <laughs> what was that? I don't know. I got home, and probably about 5 o'clock in the afternoon, my phone rang. And it was this lady, and she said, um, you told me to ask God about that, so I did. I said, okay, yeah, that's good. Um, she said, when I was about 12 years old, um, my daddy started treating me like I was his wife. You know what I'm talking about? I said, I think so. I think I do. And she said, well, I hated my life. And all I wanted to do, she said, I'm a stripper. Because all I wanted to do was turn 18 so I could go make my own living. I knew how I could make my living. And I could do it. And I, I said, I mean, 
I, I like am very naive to things like this. Okay, this is just I did, I don't know I don't know what to say. I'm just totally lost. I want you to know that I don't have I didn't read a book about how to do this. She said so. I asked God about Halloween, and He said He He reminded me that on Halloween every year my daddy would take me to the haunted house, and he let me bring one friend, and when I get real scared. I would run to my daddy and he would hold me like a little girl, like I was his daughter. He said, then God said he wants to love me like that daddy. Okay. Thanks God for letting me watch that. So this girl became my friend and she actually stopped stripping and she got a job, Pizza Hut and I think she's working somewhere else now. She she married the guy she was living with. She got custody back of her daughter. She had several children. She asked me one time, was God mad at her for having sex with her boyfriend? I was like, God, you mad at her? Because <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if you're mad at her, you know? And so, um, help. And you know that scripture about open your mouth and the Lord will speak? Well, just try it sometime. So I opened my mouth and the Lord was like, what's it done for you? And she said, all that's done is broken my heart. And so we just talked about, you know, how God had good plans for her, plans to prosper and not to harm her. He had a purpose for her. Anyway, some people here got to know her. She came and spoke at Bible studies. She, like, did all kinds of stuff. I mean, she's amazing. I met this girl because in my stubbornness, she ran over me. And, um, and there it was. So... My point in all of that is the harvest is dirty. She's a part of the harvest. She didn't know Jesus. So that day when I, it was maybe one of the first times she had ever talked to Jesus. And she said, what about Halloween is special to me? And, that, and he showed up. I mean, that's not the sinner's prayer that we're used to, but man, it's good. All right, so... Throughout February and April, we're going to have small groups, and there are the times up there that if you'd like to sign up for a small group, you can talk to Jesse after church, or you can um, do the text in church thing. I'll show you later, um, but that'll be fun. So um, the power of God gives us grace to live a life filled with God's love. So if you want to live abundant life, we were, um, we were singing about the power of the resurrection just a few minutes ago. But most of us as believers, I'm kind of getting ahead of myself. Um, anyway, I'll just do this slide. I'll get there. Um, so, oh, this is it. I just missed it. So, um, so we, we get saved. We know we need Jesus and the cross to get saved and get forgiven. Um, so, you can go to the next one. But... We, no, it's okay, just to the third bullet, and the next one, then stop. Okay, but many of us fail to utilize the power of the resurrection. He didn't stay in the grave, so if we, he died, we could still get saved. See what I mean? He died for our sin, but he rose that we could have abundant life. So don't stop at salvation, we are being transformed by the renewing of our mind. It doesn't say we were transformed at the time that we got saved. We are being transformed. It's really important to, to grab that. So I'm going to go through just a little blurb about healing prayer because everyone needs to know this. And in your small groups, you'll have an opportunity to walk through healing prayer with each other. And it's super easy, so I want you to know about it. So... Here, I'm going to run through it, and then I'm going to give you a little example. Have you ever believed a lie? Like, I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. Okay. What was it? Think of it in your head. You don't have to tell everybody. Did you ever find a truth regarding that lie? Okay. If not, then you might could use some healing prayer. Um, so, like, a lie might be, I will not have enough. But the truth is, God has given me everything I need according to his glorious riches. Very simple stuff not rocket science, okay? This is healing prayer. Healing prayer is identifying a lie 
a core belief or a decision that you made, repenting and forgiving and receiving the truth, being empowered to walk in a new way. So Romans 1.25 is kind of where this idea comes from. It says, for they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. So what happened in the fall what happens to us as sinners is we believe a lie and worship the, crea the created, not the creator. So we want to flip that so that we can have abundant life. This whole part of my teaching is why we don't have abundant life. If you aren't living abundant life like Jesus died for, I mean, God bankrupted heaven for you to have abundant life. And if you're not having it, then there's a way for you to get it. So, healing prayer. God's everywhere all the time. Anybody can do this healing prayer stuff, okay? It's not rocket science. It really is so easy. So, just like how, I mean, it was hard for me because I had to go out on a limb. But healing prayer is not hard. It's intimidating because it's not about you who's doing the healing prayer, it's about Holy Spirit and the person you're praying for. But we're so wrapped up in what I know. What you know will not help you in healing prayer. Okay? So, God's everywhere all the time. So, you ask God where the lie, decision, or core belief began. You repent, forgive, and receive. And then you let Holy Spirit minister and nurture the little person inside of you that's crying out, to reveal the truth. Okay, listen. I did prayer ministry with someone the other day. This person's really smart. They've been to seminary. They've been reading their Bible a long time. They grew up in the Baptist church, you know, where they make you read the Bible a lot. We need to do better on that, okay? But I'm just saying, um, he is, he's founded in the Word of God, okay? And he hears from God. He's very prophetic, so he hears from God. So, he came over, and if you come to my house and you've got a big problem and something, usually we're going to do healing prayer ministry just because I don't have any answers. I'm like, wow, that's a mess, you know? If you get free, tell me how because I'll share it with somebody else. You know, I don't have any answers. When people come to our house with big problems, some of y'all are like, yes, I've been on your couch. We don't have these major solutions for people. We just pray with you because we know the guy who has the solution. He created you. He knows you. He knows what you need. Okay, so, so we're, you know, sitting in my house, and um, we're praying, and we're like, okay, God, we were praying about um, living to, like, um, please other people, like, not, like, being, um, it all being about whether you make someone else happy or not, and so just how that had affected this person's life. So, um, so we're sitting there, we're praying, and we had, like, gotten to the lie, We'd gotten to kind of the picture, and, um, and so we have this picture, and we're just like, okay, where's Jesus? We found Jesus, and, and so, um, so the person was Jesse. He said it was okay for me to tell this story, so it was Jesse Pilkington. So um, he, uh, he's like, God is lie. He's got his situation, and we're like, all right, God, what's the truth? Now, I'm real serious about this situation. When we're getting the truth, I don't want, I don't want you to tell me a Bible verse, because I know you know the Bible. I want you to hear from God, okay? Well, Jesse, he, like, has a lot of truths that he's been told and heard and things like that, so... You know, we were really asking for breakthroughs. So I tell y'all, when y'all have heard me say this before, if God says like Oreo, just go with it. Okay, so no kidding. God said duck and ruby to Jesse. And I was like, okay. So God, what do you, what do you think about duck and ruby? So everything the person says receiving prayer, you just take it back to God. You're going to hear more and more about this, but I just want you to know how simple it is. But I, what in the world, duck and ruby, it doesn't make any sense. And I just like, well, we'll just go with it. Okay, God, duck and ruby. Thank you, Lord, for giving that to Jesse. And just as we finished prayer, the Lord, Jesse thought, he thought of a children's book. So he Googled 
Duck, Ruby, children's book. And there's a book out there called Ruby the Duck. I know, it's like Halloween, right? I mean, it's, this stuff is crazy. God is real. He is real. And it, this is, I had nothing to do with that. I just got to watch. So this book is about Ruby the Duck. <laughs> is, um, she doesn't do things like all of her siblings. <laughs> and some of y'all know Jessie. And so, um, and, but in the end, Ruby flies further and does and is more adventurous and more of a blessing than anyone ever thought she could be. And that is so true for Jesse. Like he, he doesn't do things like everyone else. And if he did, we wouldn't have the blessing of who he is. And so that didn't come out of James 325 or out of Psalms 127, 14. It came out of the heart of God for Jesse. And, and Ruby, you know, Ruby was a little upset. And then one of the parents would say, what did one of the parents say, Jesse? Um, in, in her, in her own time, in her own time. And so just really neat because I think about so many things. Can, who wrote that book, you know? Because everything's written in the, in the book of God, you know? Like, he just gave that book to somebody to publish so that Jesse could get breakthrough. That's really cool, right? You can all do this. This is not about, oh, I want to do that. Let me call Jessica so she can pray with me. I had nothing to do with that except I prayed to God. Can you pray to God? Raise your hand if you know how to pray to God. Raise your hand if you, if you think Holy Spirit is real. Okay, then you can do prayer ministry. If you raise your hand twice, then you can do prayer ministry. That's who y'all need to call, okay? You see all those people with their hands up? Call them, and they'll do pre healing prayer with you. Um, so sometimes we believe our lies so long that it becomes our truth. All right, this is where it starts getting serious. So you, get a, you have a lie. I'm going to talk about how you get a lie in a little bit. You have a lie, and you believe it long enough that you think it's true. And then it becomes a part of your foundation, which means it's an idol. So in Psalms 115, verse three through eight, it says, but our God is in heaven. He does whatever he pleases. Their idols are silver, silver and gold, the work of man's hands. They have mouths, but they cannot speak. They have eyes, but they cannot see. They have ears, but they cannot hear. They have noses, but they cannot smell. They have hands, but they cannot feel. They have feet, but they cannot walk. They cannot make a sound with their throat. Those who make them will become like them. Everyone who trusts in them. So if you are worshiping your idol, you will become deaf, dumb, and mute just like it. And you also make other people worship your idol, which totally sucks for all your relationships. So, this is what I was just talking about. Anybody can do this. Um, and sometimes we can do it alone. Somebody this morning was just telling me that she just got alone and was like, okay, I remember this happening. I'm feeling this pain. Okay, God, where were you? You don't even have to have anybody. But the only reason that she didn't have to have anybody is because she's done this with other people a lot. So now she has the courage to do it by herself. Okay. So once you've done it a few times, you can actually find God by yourself. But until then, like, let's be the body for each other. That's who the body of Christ is, right? We give each other courage, ask people to pray with you. All right. So Travis, I'll keep going. Um, Travis loves to do that at weddings. Um, he'll say, um, that we come into marriage with um, a bag of uh, our baggage, with like a suitcase of baggage of like stuff. And so I found this picture and I was like, this is what's in our baggage. So there's a little person inside of each of us. She's pretty cute, isn't she? But sometimes she just downright lays down and pitches a temper tantrum. 
your little girl or little boy ever pitched a fit in your 20-year-old body? It is ugly, isn't it? It's ugly. Oh, yeah, Travis, he, he's had one of his little boys pitch a fit in a 38-year-old body. Poor him. <laughs> Just kidding. I have to just the other day. Um, that little person inside of you is real. And if you're manifesting like a little person, then your little person needs some attention. Don't ignore the little person. It's a really big deal. It won't go away. That's the thing. If you keep pitching a fit, you're going to keep pitching a fit. And you can uh, put all these. Let's see what's next. Is this my next thing? Oh, it's not moving. Oh, there it is. Oh. Um. So the Lord, I was getting some prayer ministry one time, and I was talking about how was this particular situation, uh, I, was, I would get really upset. And, um, and it was in response, like my kids, when they're, especially when they're little, you really don't have, it's hard to influence them. They don't stop crying immediately. You know what I'm saying? And, and like you're in the middle of the night, you're exhausted, you're working on three hours sleep and you're doing, you know, two jobs, you know, working two jobs, whatever you're doing. And so I was just telling this lady that was ministering to me, I was like, yeah, it just, this makes me, I just get so upset, you know, when they're doing this. And she's like, oh, I get it now. So you're the child pitching the fit. I, now I get it. And I was like, yeah, exactly. And so it's, it, was, it was that there was a little boy that was hurt that was pitching a fit, and he's just trying to raise kids, which is a bad situation. Yes. So that's a great example. And we all have examples. So you can pretend like you've never, you've never, your little person has never manifested, but we all know it's not true. If you don't believe it, just ask the people you live with. Just be like, has my little person ever manifested? They'll tell you about it. Um, so what, what happens is there's this, we live life. So we're going through life and we're, you know, we're trailing along and, you know, we get about three or four days old, you know, and we start realizing that we need something, like we're hungry or we got, we're uncomfortable. We can't talk, you know. And so then people like Laura and Tommy are, like, doing everything they can think of to figure out how to make that baby happy, right? Because that's what you do. I mean, that's what you, like, really want them to be happy. You're so happy they're here that... Like, you know, Clint, he's like, I'll just hold her all night long if that'll make her happy, you know. But then you read these books that are like, you can't do that because you can't live like that, you know. And so you're trying so hard, right? I mean, 98% of the parents in the world are trying so hard to do it right. It's so hard. So the, most of the people in this room, even with all of our guests, are not parents. And you have absolutely no idea how hard it is to be a parent. You, like, try, I mean, my favorite was when one of my children was sitting in the chair screaming at the top of her lungs, and Zakia was over, and she was looking at me, and I said, just so you know, I have no idea what I'm going to do next. Because I had tried lots of things, but maybe something. Will, <laughs> I got to think of something. It, they don't come with a book. You don't know what to do. So your parents tried really hard to do it right. Really hard. Just know that. It's so hard. So I'm going to read a couple of scriptures about honor. Okay. So in Ephesians 6, it says, Honor your father and mother so that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. So the New Testament word for that is time, which is to highly value or to treasure. Okay, and then the Old Testament, I didn't put the Deuteronomy verses on here, sorry. 
Honor your father and mother as the Lord your God has commanded you, that your days may be prolonged, and that it may go well with you on the land which the Lord your God gives you. So, kabad is to consider weighty. These are the words for honor in those. That's like really what it means. So, to highly value, treasure, or to consider weighty. So, you remember I talked about gravity earlier. Y'all thought I was just telling a funny story. I wasn't. Um, So, gravity is a law. Honor your parents and it will go well with you. It's a law. They're the same. So, if you honor them, it goes well. If you don't honor them, it doesn't go well. It's really simple, but we get, it gets really complicated for us because we're like, but what? My parents did this. What about this? What, I, I hear you. I hear you. I've heard that before, so I've got some things to say about it. Um, most of us are also born wanting to honor our parents. So most of us actually come into the world wanting to honor them too. They want us to be happy. We want them to be happy. But the whole sin thing, it's a big deal. Remember, we exchange the truth for a lie. Like the sin thing is a real deal, okay? So we have the sin, the ignorance. So we, you know, we do all kinds of stuff. So our parents, truthfully, Clint can't hold Salem all the time. It's just not possible. Like she'd never learned to walk. She would, you know, they would probably get sores on themselves. Like she'd have calluses from like Clint rubbing her back, you know. I mean, it's just not okay to do that. So she has to learn how to, you know, lay down and enjoy life in different ways, okay? So these kind of things have to happen. But as little people, we don't understand that they're equipping us for the rest of our life. So we make decisions in our heart or maybe lies come in. And so what we usually do as kids, because we want, we believe the best about our parents, we like minimize what happens or we justify it or we um, offer understanding without accountability. Um, We might blame ourselves. We'll rationalize that our parents' treatment is normal and ignore that other people aren't treated that way or other homes don't function that way. Um, We sometimes forget it or suppress it, and um, we also convince ourselves that it doesn't hurt. These are some of the things that we do trying to honor our parents. So when we do that, when we do all of those things that I just listed, we um, end up with guilt, shame, bitterness, resentment, and judgments. And we, in our foundation, lies begin to form. So, and this causes like a victim mentality to arise where we're victim to our circumstances. So if you always have a problem with your boss or if somebody's always wronging you and then you have a victim mentality. And you don't have to live that way. That victim mentality probably didn't come in yesterday because our root system for our nature is built in within the first six years of our life. This is our foundation. The first six years. Most of you can't remember the first six years of your life. All right? And then the trunk of ourselves, like our character, is between 6 and 12. So I'm going to show you a few pictures of how roots are made, okay? There's some of my favorite people up here. Um, so in that, um, don't, doesn't it have a red thing on it? Okay. This thing? Okay. So that one, that's my daddy. I'm going to tell you all some stories about him, but I want you all to know how great he is. That's my dad. These three are my dad. So look at how great he is. Remember that because I'm going to tell you all some stories that aren't so great. And you just have to know this is how the story ends. So this is building trust right here. Look at Josiah laughing. I mean, this one, that's like super trust, right? Look at Lydia just laid back. She's like, I'm chill. I'm like totally cool with this. Papa's got the horse. 
I'm good. We're like ready to go. Isn't that awesome? Just just take a look. This this right here, you know? Just kids just being kids. So in the first six years of your life, that's when the roots happen. Okay? Some of you in the room did not get this, okay? Some of you may have gotten this, some mommy love, or this. Some of you may have gotten this. If you didn't get the grandparent love, it, it's a huge deal. There are grandparents here in the room. Your love for your grandchildren is so important. It is the most unconditional love. It looks so much like heaven. And you getting to do that for Trip and any other grandchildren you have is such a blessing to him. I just want you to know it. This is my dad. My kids think he's like a rock star. I mean, they, if you say Papa Bill's coming, I mean, you might as well have said we're going to Disney World. They adore this man. And they adore him because of this stuff. He's just watching, a, he's probably watching um, John Wayne right there. Um, with Lydia sucking her fingers. Um, this is Zuri, and of course these are Josiah, but these are Lydia, these top three, and this is Zuri. Um, so I think this was maybe two days after we moved to Georgia. Um, this is where trust is built. This is where that excitement comes from. The way grandparents love, I believe, is a lot like God loves us. It's it's so beautiful. So, does this stuff apply to me? I don't know. Let's see. If it does. Oh, I have the thing. Okay, let's see. Does it apply to me? Maybe. Do you experience going around the same mountain over and over again? You're like, no, I hadn't been to the mountains in a long time. <laughs> um, good. What about facing the same giant over and over again. What about, oh my goodness, this is the third relationship I've been in that ended the same way. Oh my goodness, I have this same argument with my husband once a month. Wow, I feel this way every time I go to Walmart. Okay, that's probably not you. Um, the mountain is just the giant in your land going around and around and around. I mean, it took the Israelites, they went around for 40 years. You don't have to do that, but you can. It's okay if you want to. Um, but if you don't, then you could try some of these tools we're giving out today. Um, do you try really hard to do something or to stop doing something and it doesn't work out? Just try really hard. I'm going to do it this time. Yes. We'll power it. Do you overreact, obsess, balance the blame-shame scale? So that, real quick, is so when you balance the blame-shame, it's like you blame somebody until you're just like, you know, I don't have any relationships anymore. So then you just turn that into shame. Well, it must be all my fault, and you just shame yourself, and you're depressed, and you're sad, and you're worthless, and then that's too heavy. So you got to blame somebody. Well, if they wouldn't have done this, the goal is to get rid of the scale, not the blame or the shame. You get rid of the whole deal. Neither one of them are from God. Okay. Do you feel stuck? Oh. Do you battle depression, fits of rage, and anxiety? I know nobody in here does that because we just are blessed by the Holy Ghost. No, I know. We're in a room full of people who have all three of those things. Okay? Depression, fits of rage, and anxiety. So the day that Travis came home, he's like, how was your day? I was like, I don't know. I threw little types chairs across the backyard. <laughs> he was like, are our children safe with you? I said, I'm not sure because I'm really angry. So I was having major fits of rage, major fits of rage, where I was I felt like I was having an out-of-body experience. Like, I felt like the Incredible Hulk. You ever seen him, like, outgrow his clothes? That's how I felt. And I was ministering at this church, and I had three children, and I read my Bible a good bit. I listened to worship music all the time. 
I would say I love Jesus as much as I do today, but I was having major fits of rage, okay? There was a little girl inside of me. You remember the cute little girl in the suitcase that needed something? And she was telling me about it. My husband said, you better do something with her or <laughs> we got to figure something else out because <laughs> these children can't be exposed to this, right? No, I love my kids more than anything in the world. But I was, I would get totally out of control. You know, God has been really faithful to me and in, in helping me out with all of that. But it, um, it has definitely been a journey. Um, so I went and got some healing prayer for my, um, for my fits of rage. And I'll tell you more about that in just a minute. See what. So there's no such thing as an unexpressed emotion. It's coming out. So if you ask somebody who's lived longer than you, they'll tell you about it coming out. So it doesn't always come out as throwing little tykes chairs. Sometimes it comes out as arthritis or maybe an autoimmune disease or depression or secluding yourself. I mean, it comes out in all kinds of ways. Just ask some older people about how their suppressed emotions. Remember that list of how we deal with wanting to honor our parents? This stuff comes out. You want it to come out and give it to God. You don't want it to come out and, and destroy you. So, it says, he who curses his father or mother, not other, mother, his lamp will go out in time of darkness. That's Proverbs twenty twenty. To curse is when we put a definition or character trait on someone that is not given by God. Okay, so how can I love and honor my parents? Now remember, honor is to treasure or to consider weighty. All right, what if your parents, you're like, you don't know my parents. I'm like, you're right, I don't. I don't know them, but I know mine. I know my parents. And um, I know that I got off the school bus one day and that my, I was in fifth grade and my mom was chasing my dad around my house with a shotgun. And um, y'all are like, and you get to pastor a church? I know, crazy, right? So, and, and let him hold my children. I'm glad he made it. Um, so that was the one day that some of you have met my mom and you're like, I can't imagine her doing that. I can't either, but it was, it was very interesting. And so, um, my dad is a recovering alcoholic and he, um, and my mom said she just decided to drink with him one day. Bad idea. I'm like, don't ever do that again. As a fifth grader, I was like, mama, you can't drink. We got one drink in, we can't have two. Okay. So we, we had a lot of, lot of stuff go on in our family because my dad was um, in two relationships. He had our family and he had another family. Um, and he also, um, in order to do that, you have to drink uh, because can, I mean, bless Travis's heart to just take care of me. is like a total full-time job. I mean, when you're taking care of two families and trying not to let them know about each other, whew, I'd have to drink too. So he did. He drank a lot. And he had two families. And, um, and so my parents eventually got a divorce after we moved in and out of the house 27 times. And so um, when my dad would, at night, I would say to my dad, uh, will you come tuck me in? And so I would go back to my bedroom, and he'd come in to tuck me in, and I would kneel down by my bed, and I would pray that I would ask Jesus for Daddy to stop drinking. And my dad would look me in the face and say, I promise, honey, I'll never drink again. He kept his liquor in a cabinet that was um, beside the refrigerator, and I would hear the cabinet open and close as he walked through the kitchen. So I knew as a... 10 year old that my dad had just lied to me for the 47th time 
And the only heart that it broke more than mine was his. But I didn't know that when I was 24. So when I was 20 years old, all I knew was that man couldn't be trusted and that I had to make it on my own. If you got in my way, I would either run you over or push you aside. And I was here on this earth to make God look good because I couldn't trust him to do it for himself because he was a man too. And I was a mess, a total mess because I was very independent and I was that way because I couldn't trust. Because even though my dad held me and loved me in the root formation years of my life and provided for me in those 6 to 12-year-old years of my life when my character was formed, all he did was lie to me. Was he trying? Oh, my goodness. The man would never want to hurt me. He was just wrapped up in his own world. You saw him reading that book to those kids. That was probably the 10th time that day he had read that book. He'll read that book all day long. I mean, he's just amazing. But when I was a kid, that is not what he was doing with me. He was busy with many other things. And so I believe the lie that nobody was going to provide for me, that I had to do it myself. And I, did, and I believe that I couldn't trust God. And so... I lived a long time like this until I got in depth in relationships enough that that stuff started coming out because sometimes it looked good because I was like God's biggest fan and I was like, yeah, I mean, I'm like a youth pastor and I do youth retreats and, you know, I love Jesus. I did. I love Jesus. But it was all about me. It was all about what I could do for God. So I had to grieve my wounds So I have to give this little plug for my dad, too. I always do this because when he went through recovery um, in 91, he sat me down and went through a list of things and asked me to forgive him. Now, many of us, many of you, I realize, maybe even all of you will never get that experience because it is a treasure that I have. I was 11, so I had nothing better to do, and he had went through rehab, so he was like, this is what they told me to do, so I'm going to do it. I'm following the blue book, you know, and so this is, this is how this works. I'm sorry, I'm getting hot. Um, and so, um, thankfully, the heat is working. Um, so, he had made a list of all of his wrongs, and he went through them one by one and asked me to forgive him. So he would say, I'm sorry for the time I threw the alarm clock across the room and hit your mom in the top of the head, and I'd say, I forgive you. And he would say, I'm sorry for the time I held your head out the window when we were going to that football game, and you almost died. I forgive you. I, you forgive me for the time that I threw your tennis shoes out the window on the way to the football game, and you had to go barefooted. Yes, I forgive you. It was two notebook pages full of things he asked me to forgive him for. Isn't that amazing? Like, I just thank God so much for that. I didn't know what it was doing. Really, I had no idea. I was like, I forgive you. I forgive you. I forgive you again. Okay, I forgive you. How many more? You know, like, are we going to lunch later? I totally wasn't. It was not a spiritual experience for me. It might have been for him. I've never asked him, but um, I should. So... He did that, but even if he didn't, I still have a choice to make as an adult. Remember, the little kid is screaming, but the, the adult is in the room, okay? We have all the kids in kids' church, I think. Um, so we grieve our wounds. So then as negative thoughts come up, we have to ask, does the little person in me need some attention? If it does, what kind of attention does it need? What does the little person need? Does the little person need nurture? Does it need love? Does it need, for me, I needed to learn to trust God. So then, this is what you can do. We all like to do something. What can you do? You can repent, forgive, and receive. So this looks like, for me, God 
forgive me for the way that I put the picture of my dad on you. God's not like my dad. He's not like yours either. Even though Brian is amazing and he loves Millie and Ellis so much, God is so much different than Brian. He's painting a great picture of what love is for his girls, but God's not like that. God is so much different, you know? And so we all, no matter how great your parents were, you still have to come to a place where you're like, God, you are God. And let him come into that place. And that's who ministers to the little girl. Remember the, the Zuri laying on Travis's chest while he was catching five minutes of sleep? That is where you want God to come into that place where you're like on, on God's chest. You're like, here I am. Like, I'm here. And, you know, God's just like hanging out with you. Because you have that relationship with him. So we forgive. I had to forgive my dad for real. So like I had went through this process, which really did change some things in my life. But I had to forgive him for lying to me. So you're going to have to forgive. Even if they were wrong, you're not forgiving for them. You're forgiving for you. So when you forgive somebody, it's not, I forgive you. It's okay that you lied to me every night. So I forgive you because I don't want to be, I don't want to be your God anymore. I don't want to judge you anymore. I don't want to sit on the throne anymore. I'm going to step down and I'm just going to be your daughter and say, I forgive you. I release you. And then you receive, you receive the truth that God's faithful, that he doesn't lie, that he's trustworthy. This is my story. You have your own. And then my favorite part is then you ask God, how do you see my parents? So when I asked God that moment, when I was praying through how I see God, um, I saw a picture of my dad when he was about 20 years old at his dad's funeral. And I heard the Lord say, the moment that your dad needed his dad the most, he was gone. And so my dad's dad died um, a year after I was born. So my sister was five and I was one. And you know, kids are pretty easy from, <laughs> from zero to you know, I'm sure like teenagers, it gets really tough. But when my dad needed a dad, his dad had died. And he was trying to be a dad, and he was trying to figure things out. And he was grieving, and he didn't know what to do. You know, this is, this is what happens. It's not his fault. I'm not, I can't live my life blaming him. It will not go well for me. But I can live my life honoring him, and it will go well for me. So I know that I, I know I could preach this same sermon with him in the room because I honor him when I talk about him. Yes, this is part of our story. It's part of what makes my relationship with my dad wonderful. But I know, now I see my dad. I don't just see what I experienced. I see my dad. So this is something you can kind of pray. Lord, let me see them through your eyes. Enable them to become the person you designed them to be. And for me to love them the way you love me. So one thing that Christians really like to do is we like to pray prayers like, change them. Change them and make them easy for me to be around because I'm sick of this. Change them. I just don't want to deal with it anymore. Change them. Okay. If you pray that prayer, it might be a red flag. <laughs> There's a little kid inside that needs something. Okay? You got your little suitcase, the little person. And if you're doing the change them prayers, just ask God, God, what do you see in them? It changes everything. Holy Spirit is real. He wants to talk to you. He wants to interact with you. Journal about it. Talk to him. 
Okay, so it's coming out. When resentment, shame, guilt, lies, bitterness, curses, judgments are lodged in our heart against our parents, our spirit is darkened, and that area we cannot fully see or know God. So um, this is going to be a little interactive. I'm almost finished. So who is God to you? Who is God to you? Like somebody, you want to tell me who God is to you? I know it's spontaneous. Father. Somebody else, who's God to you? Friend. Provider. Somebody else? Who's God to you? He's justice to Kimberly. All right. These things sound like the Word of God, right? They sound like Jesus. Because Jesus is the manifestation of God. It's true. He is the manifestation of God. Okay, I'm going to read a couple of scriptures just to prove it. Jesus said to him, Have I been so long with you that yet you have not come to know me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, Show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own initiative, but the Father abiding in me does his works. And Hebrews says, And he, in the radiance of his glory, and the exact representation of his nature, and upholds all things by the word of his power, when he had made purification of sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. So, Jesus is the exact representation of the Father. So these are some things that we might say about God. God, why aren't you here for me? So ask the question, what is in me that doesn't trust God? Why doesn't God give me what I need? When was the first time you remember feeling forgotten? Why is God so hard to please? God is just waiting for me to mess up. You don't need to defend God. Ask him what your mom and dad were like. It's okay. It's okay to be hurt by them. So I called Star Beer, who does prayer ministry, and I... um, one day, and I said, I need to make an appointment for Lydia. And she said, okay, Lydia was two. And um, she said, okay. I said, you know, maybe like 1929 or something. I don't know. Like, we'll just, somewhere down the road, this is coming out. I had a rough day. She's going to need prayer ministry. (laughs) So, it's okay. And so, also, This is the most important thing I'll say today. This is not about our parents. Most of them gave us our roots. They helped the best they could with our nature, but we are fallen. We are sin. We have sin in us, and it causes us to respond. So the response in our heart is what I'm talking about this morning, not about your parents. So if we choose to forgive and repent for the curses, the curses, remember, is putting that on somebody that it's not, that's not who they are. That's what a curse is. It's calling somebody something that they are not. It's not their destiny. It's also what we do to God. We can put that same idea and belief onto God. Recognize that God is not like your parents. For a long time, I had to pray, God, you're not like Bill. I started all my prayers like that. God, you're not like Bill, but I want to know who you are, so will you start showing me? So he did. He started showing me who he was. Um, Hebrew fathers knew something about this stuff. You know, they were closer to the times of Jesus. Some of them had walked with him. They, they knew some things. But Hebrew fathers 
knew it was not enough to call the sin to death, but they also called children to life by imparting the blessing. The blessing called power down upon the child to, to, to fulfill his personal calling and destiny. And parents would see and validate the heart of their child. So all of this to say, maybe that didn't happen to you. Maybe you didn't have, maybe your dad was in a place like mine was where they didn't have the tools they needed to even function in their own life, much less help you function in yours. And I talked a lot about dads. I have a whole mom story, but we haven't got time for both sides, okay? You know what I mean? So believe me, I've had to forgive her and walked through lots of stuff with her too. But, um, but I do think that the dad and all those pictures I had up were of the g- grandfather and of Travis loving our children because I, there is a role of the dad that is so important And if your dad, for whatever reason, could not do this for you, it doesn't mean that you're destined to hopelessness for the rest of your life. You would be if you didn't have a loving father in heaven who said he came for the orphan. He came to be a father to the fatherless. So don't go home this, you know, next time you see your family and be like, well, I'm so thankful that God has been a father to the fatherless. Your dad might just, you know, I don't know what he would do, but I would, you know, it would, he'll want to like maybe smack you in the face or something because he was awake all night with you at some point, you know? And so he tried hard. And so all I'm saying is he tried hard. So you, this is not about your parents. So you don't go tell them about this great revelation you've had. You get the revelation and you live it out and then they see the fruit in your life. And that's what changes your relationship with your parents, not them changing, your heart changing. And so God wants to meet you in that place and be a father to that fatherless part of you. Of course, all of our parents did meet some need in us. And that's amazing. But where they didn't, and the little person in the suitcase gets opened up every once in a while, just let God come in and minister to you. Let him call down the blessing. Let him give you a revelation like Ruby the duck. You know what I, I mean? Create, let him give you something like Halloween. I mean, these, these are just two stories. I've prayed with people. It is amazing what God does in prayer ministry when Holy Spirit shows up and does this. This is what God does. God says who you are. He calls you up to it. He values you. He, He knows your heart. He knows your heart. He knows what your destiny is, and he knows that if if it's not time for that, that it's in you, but it's got to be be made ready. You know, I had a picture this morning, and, and it, was, um, it was more specific um, in a different way, but I just, um, it's like if you're created to fly, but you're just a caterpillar, you know you're created to fly. You're just crawling around on your belly. Caterpillars have to eat a lot. They have to spin that cocoon They've got to die to fly. The thing is, is butterflies are beautiful, and they get to go on great adventures, but it's much easier to be a caterpillar. So don't miss being a caterpillar. Just live out your caterpillar days. Eat, eat it up. Get the word. Get some healing. And because when you're flying, I mean, when you're a caterpillar, you're not, like, hitting windshields and stuff. You know what I mean? Like... Butterflies have a lot at risk. Caterpillars can kind of hide out in the rainforest, in the woods. You know, they can, they can do their thing. They can get, get little and just stay in one place a long time. Butterflies can't do that. So we get in such a hurry to grow up, to get our wings, to fly. I'm telling you. I used to tell kids in my youth group that the greatest thing about being an adult was getting to open your Happy Meal toy first before you ate your hamburger and eat dessert first. And I still stand by that. It's probably the greatest things about, you know, about being grown up. Um, But just 
it's important to go through each stage. And if you feel like there's a lie in your foundation, or maybe this, you haven't been called to life the way that maybe um, you feel like the Lord wants you to be called to life, you totally can have that. And so we'll have um, time for people to pray with you and help give you courage. But also, you can do this with each other. This is the thing that the equipping part that I was telling you all about. We want you guys to practice. And what if you get it wrong? And what if you get it wrong? Try again. God is the only thing that we're like, what if, if I get it wrong, then, I mean, the world might end. Well, if it does, hallelujah, we'll be in heaven. <laughs> Everything else, riding a bike, doing all kinds of other stuff. We try and we try and we try and we try. But with God, oh, if I mess up, oh, I just don't know if I mess up. If you mess up, great. Give that person something to forgive you for. They can practice. So the body of Christ was not meant to be perfect. I'm telling you, we can't be perfect without Jesus. He's coming to get us without spot or wrinkle because he's going to make us like that. Not that we're like that already. We're a mess. And we've got to help each other because when the harvest comes, we have to be ready for them. It's really important because the Lord is not going to give the harvest to a body that can't do anything with it. Because we're going to have strippers and we're going to have prostitutes and we're going to have, we're going to have filthy, we're going to have drug addicts, we're going to have, those are like the easy things. I mean, we're going to have think, people who have been entrenched in occult activity that don't know up from down. They, those are the people we're going to be loving to life. That's what I want. I'm ready to get dirty, you know? And I want, and don't think that my stuff doesn't come out because I get healing prayer ministry all the, I mean, I like get it all the time. So it's not like you all of a sudden are made whole. We get to keep practicing. And so y'all keep practicing on one another. And then we can be ready for the lost. And I don't just mean the people who haven't prayed the sinner's prayer. I mean the people who haven't encountered God and had him do this for them. Like you want to be able to share this with them. You want to be able to share your story of how God brought you to life and highlighted your destiny 